Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm Nigel. And welcome back to uh, Making A Happen. Nigel and I have hit a bit of a, a hump in the road at the moment, so listen in today and hear about how we're going to overcome our latest challenge. Yeah, I went to London on Saturday to look at some venues for potential team days in London. I'm getting clients who don't want to come to Sussex. They want to do stuff in London because that's where most of them are based. Well, so definitely in the wilderness there, London. <laughs> well, exactly. And it's, you know, it's hard to find places that are just right. But I went to look at a couple of places. It was really interesting. I've been to parts of London that I didn't even know existed, really. I went to look at a scout site in New Addington. In fact, I'm not even sure where it was. I kind of was using my Google sat-nav thing, so couldn't really tell you. <laughs> which part of London, somewhere in the South London, which was really great, actually. And then I went to a place near Catford. It was like a community project behind some streets next to some allotments. It's just very cool, you know, to, to be in central London and to find these places that are being used for community purposes and a really interesting project. What was interesting about this project in Catford, it's a kind of wilderness area. The woman who runs it was telling me about the evolution of it and how they've changed the way they think about it because... They basically set something up and then realised that that wasn't what people wanted. And so they've changed what they do and they've changed how it works so that it's what the community... When, when she says the community, there's like community projects. So they've changed the way that it works so that it's what people want and then it's being used and it's successful. So how did they find out what people wanted? So they had days where they invited people along and they did lots of questions and questionnaires and, you know visioning days you know they kind of did a team building kind of session or a sort of an away day for the people that use it and they did like a river map you know of like what's where are we going with this and what do we need and ah river map interesting yeah i hadn't heard of that before did you find a place that you're going to be able to use don't know they saw two places that are both slightly different i mean the scouts scout sites have a particular feel i'd much rather use the community site but i don't think it's big enough ah. um, but it was it was interesting I mean, i'd much rather you know that they they grow loads of their own vegetables then and so you know we, that could be part of food and be supporting a community project rather than a scout you know the scouts are a big organization i mean they were very helpful and very friendly but it's a different you know and maybe even they have the same activity activities maybe like fire lighting or shelter building but the kind of the the kind of ethos and the kind of subtle kind of subtle difference it could be doing the same thing but with a different tone yeah Yeah, well i I mean i can understand because i mean i I think the scouts could be if you wanted to be more extreme it's more like the scouts is a bit like the army building a shelter and the community is a bit like a bunch of native people building a shelter or something it's it's got a different kind of experience to it yeah yeah Mm. but yeah i'm fairly hopeful that one of them will be fine that's good Um, yeah so and then i've yesterday a walk on around ditchling there was you know, it's Brighton Festival at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Which has sort of kind of passed me by. I've been to two things, but it's so invisible that, at the moment and it's kind of hard to remember this on. But there's an app like Soundscape Walks. All right. And there's one that starts from Digital Museum and it kind of tracks where you're going and it plays music. I didn't think it was completely connected, but there's like sections of walk where they play different sections of music. It was really good. I mean, it's all classical. I didn't like all of it. It didn't actually work for me. So I was kind of listening. But what I noticed is that I was more present and I noticed more things in the landscape when I was listening to the music, which I thought was really interesting. It was kind of like, you know, like a movie film 
soundtrack and somehow that really adds to your experience mm. it was kind of like you know it wasn't a movie it was real life but uh, having the music it's added definitely added something i think i think it's really interesting because so at various times i've tried that so i mean way way back we're talking like um, more than 40 years ago i remember going skiing and having like a cassette tape recorder in a carrier strapped to your chest yeah. that you could listen to music to while you were skiing yeah. And that definitely made skiing a different experience from just skiing without it. And then later in life, when I used to do quite a lot of running, I, I had a little period when I used to listen to music all the time. Now I don't do that. I just like to go for a run and listen to what's going on around me. If I can find a place that's got more nature and less cars. Yeah. I'm the same. You know, yeah. going for a walk, I never put my headphones on. I used to, but I stopped. So interesting. I watched a great film on Friday night. This is the other thing is I've had a friend staying with me since Tuesday and she left on Saturday morning. No, Sunday morning. And it's weird. I kind of, you know, I really liked having somebody else around and I'm feeling slightly bereft. All right. I spent all day yesterday with someone and you know yeah. four or five days with somebody and now i'm back to just being on my own it feels like you're right mm. but we watched a great film blinded by the lights a song i remember <laughs> yeah it's it's a kind of about a pakistani kid growing up in north london right? Oh, right. Well, maybe south london somewhere in london and being turned on to bruce springsteen and becoming a writer and being inspired by bruce's lyrics and the feeling interesting and i definitely recommend it i don't know i don't cool. think i would have ever found that movie if you hadn't told me about it <laughs> <laughs> So that's my weekend. Here I am. Oh, it's been quite busy then. Yeah, I started yeah. to paint the front of my house. Oh, wow. Because I had the house rendered. And so now yeah. I'm trying to get the render painted. So I started painting that. Had a, Like I say, we had a nice day away yesterday. And Saturday I was painting and doing various things. I was sorting out my beach hut. Because if you remember correctly from our last visit, we had a few problems with the gas bottle in the cooker. Yeah. So yeah. I decided I would replace everything. So I basically spurged out and bought a, a new camp stove for um, 25 quid yeah. and uh, and got a new gas bottle so now we're able to make tea and you can even make toast now with our new one it's got a it's got Ooh. a grill so cool very exciting yeah i heard that uh, gas bottles are in short supply because everybody's having barbecues and using their garden and camping and yeah you, you can't get a gas bottle full of gas unless you've got an empty bottle to give them to be refilled they won't let you buy one so it's a bit tricky, but luckily, obviously, I had the gas bottle, so I just took it. What well, the problem was, it was just empty. Yeah, it was just empty. Anyway, what are, what are we talking about today? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've got to be honest, Nigel. I had some great ideas that I was starting at the beginning of the week, and then I ended up having to mark a bunch of robotics projects for STEM because I'm a STEM ambassador and they were doing a robotics challenge. So I got sent a load of videos. They usually do it in real life. Like you go to a couple of different centers and the, the kids have programmed them and they have to go around the route and they have to make a presentation and everything. But this was all done obviously remotely. And so they sent videos and PowerPoint presentations. So I spent quite a lot of time looking at all those trying to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Generous, I think, <laughs> because it's pretty tough for the kids when they couldn't get together and write the programs and things. Um, so we'll see who did well, but I had to follow my marks. I looked at about 25 projects. So that took a bit of time up. Started to write something for the chamber about climate change and net zero. So I was working on this concept that net zero carbon in the context of a business, I thought it was sort of like a P&L because what you're trying to do is you're trying to reduce your costs, which is your carbon emissions. And you're trying to increase your revenue, which is 
basically extracting carbon from the atmosphere somehow. And the net effect is that you don't put any more carbon in, or even better, you take some carbon out. And with COP26 coming and the wettest month in May to get an introduction. So I was trying to build up on that. And then I've been talking about how if you have electric cars in your fleet, there's big tax benefits because, you know, individuals don't get taxed at all for it as a benefit in kind and only 2% from this year onwards. So there's a, I'm trying to think up some things that small businesses could do reasonably easily to start the journey because my experience is that it's quite hard if you're a small business to do very much. And then on the extraction side of this tree planting, we talked about that. And there's other things that you can invest in or you can have offset. And then somebody's come up with this idea of inset where you might sort of, for example, talk to your supply chain. And if they use vehicles, then if you invested, help them by investing in them having a fleet of electric vehicles, they would reduce their net carbon emissions. And you could claim some of those net carbon emissions against the money you spent as a way of offsetting some of your carbon emissions. And at the same time, you could help your supply chain. So you could kind of, you know, collaborate a bit. So I'm trying to work all that into something that isn't very long and complicated, which is a bit tricky, but it's getting there. So that kind of took a lot of my time up. Oh, and the other thing was I spent some time talking to the Ecological Building Society about mortgages for community land trusts. Yeah. And they're willing to do 80% loan to value uh, mortgages for a 40-year term. I've been trying to put together a plan that shows that if we started now and we raised £100,000 on a share issue, that with that, we could use it as a deposit to buy a property to get on a initial mortgage of 40 years at 80% value that we could rent out at a reasonable level, a below market rate. We could go for a year or two. And with the rate things are increasing property values, we could probably remortgage, release that money for another deposit, and then just kind of keep going along the way. That was all happening in the background last week. And then in the meantime, I was also trying to come up with my ideas about the hierarchy of needs and other ideas that we might use to frame our discussion. And yeah. I didn't get very far. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> cool. Well, it sounds like you've been very busy. I've also been busy. You know, we've had our first team, second team day of the year, which is quite a big one. And there's a lot of preparation and planning and then debriefing and all that kind of stuff. Did it go okay? Yeah, I think it went really well. They seemed really happy. I mean, it was interesting day weather-wise. It was sunny, it was cloudy, it chucked it down with rain, and then it was beautifully sunny again. <laughs> yeah, it was, what was that, Wednesday? It was yeah, Wednesday. a strange day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, so it's a kind of precursor. I've kind of got loads of them coming up. There's quite a lot to figure out. There's a lot of learning from it for us and ways that, you know, like continually improving how it works, I think. And because I'm a bit rusty as well with it, I mean, it's only the second one I've done this year and yeah. third in a year and a half. So it's just getting back into the swing, remembering how it works. Something very curious happened to me. You know, I'm noticing myself, and I was telling you that, you know, with listening to Braiding Sweetgrass, I'd wake up in the morning really early listen to it and by the end of each chapter I'd be sobbing my heart out <laughs> and I don't know if you have that experience but I've been getting more emotional this year more emotional than I want to be I think is probably the issue so I I mean I think it's a good thing but you know I notice on team days that I often get emotional at the end of the day when I'm hearing people's feedback because they usually say really nice things about each other and what they've got out of the day and you know it's really mm. it kind of gets me this time when I was doing my introductory and welcome kind of speech at the very beginning <laughs> I started to get emotional almost immediately <laughs> it's like from the get-go and I've tried in the past to kind of hide it and pretend I'm okay, but then it's like too much to hold. And this time I just thought, I, I'm just going to acknowledge this and be okay with it. And 
So in front of a whole bunch of people, you know, I'm kind of choking up <laughs> from the moment I open my mouth. <laughs> and it was fine. And it's important to do that, particularly with a group of people, because to show vulnerability, because it allows other people to do that. Yeah. kind of sets the tone for the whole day and so i think it's really it was really important to do it but it's just curious that it happened so quickly i mean it kind of took me by surprise really you know i'm a i'm a bit of a writer and writing writing things down that are kind of meaningful to me and personal i don't necessarily have an emotional connection to that but as soon as i say them out loud mm. something happens it's happened to me in public speaking i've given some big talks in front of hundreds of people i'm like halfway through i've started choking up which is kind of uncomfortable and i've done it in sales meetings done it in job interviews i mean if you want to hear the, the kind of my best example of this was i went for a job interview at a place called embercombe in devon which is a, a land-based community and they were looking for a managing director and i wrote a really good application and i got uh shortlisted and, and so they invited me for an interview along with it was like a group interview i don't know there were five of us or something embercombe and done programs there before and there was a particular program that I did in 2015 which was really significant and important for me and it was very emotional and yeah it was quite an emotional experience and which was great and it was one a very significant program then I got went for this job interview and it was the first time I'd been back there uh, in about a year I got a taxi from the station because it's near you know if you go by public transport you have to get a taxi from Exeter station mm-hmm. got a taxi on the way in as we go through the gates to the, the land I start I'm thinking to myself oh I haven't been back here for a year I wonder what it's going to be like and then suddenly I was just hit by this wave of grief Oh, no. It was like, and then the taxi pulls up, the assistant to the um, the guy that runs the place is like running out to kind of open the door and welcome me. And I'm like holding back all this sort of emotion that's just suddenly come out of nowhere. Oh, and then no. for the rest of the day, I was in pieces, you know, I was in these interviews and I, you know, they would be asking me stuff yeah. and I would be holding back the tears and trying to kind of go through an interview. And, you know, I didn't get the job mm. at the end. And they, the feedback was they didn't think I was resilient. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, that's just so not like me. This doesn't happen to me, but it just was a bit random. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's- I think they hired somebody else and I don't think I could have run it. I mean, it was about running a community and, you know, I don't think I had enough experience to do that. So I'm kind of thinking that we're not going to get too far today, but then I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I I think maybe we should consider taking a little longer to think about things before we have our next episode. Or what we've talked about is the podcast. I mean, does it always Oh, we could, yeah, yeah. We could just talk about something else, yeah. I mean, I think what we've been saying has been valuable. I mean, all the things that you've been talking about, all the projects you're you're involved in, Mm. you know, are interesting. Um, Yeah, quite true, yeah. You know, where do we we get to with our making A happen? Like, we're not sure we want to do a project, but we don't know what the project is. And we're starting to, to move towards doing a pilot in Lansing, that we, our kind of challenge that we've realised we need to sort out is what's the problem or what's the question that we're trying to address. I agree with that, yeah. Looking at my notes, which I can't quite read, I put home to frame something. That doesn't make any sense. I think where we were at was that we, we've we realised that we need to figure out the question that we're trying to answer. But to understand what the question is and drawing on our great interview we had with Myoke uh, Public Market is that understanding who we're trying to help in a way, because they were, you know, my market was inspired by a problem that was trying to be solved. And they consulted lots of people who were part of that problem, like the council and others. And we are kind of, I think the focus is getting into, well, it's really the people of Lansing. I was talking to someone who's involved in the parish council and 
the impression I got was they were still a little bit sort of focused on the past. They were talking about how there used to be a school and all the parents used to bring their kids there. And so the parents came into Lansing and then they would go in the shops. And it seemed to me it was sort of like, it wouldn't it be great if we had the school again? And it didn't feel to me there was a recognition that maybe that was how it used to be, but we need something different. And I, and I think it's sort of like, how do we talk to people to understand what it is that they really would like to get? from coming into Lansing. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not about putting something there to get more people to come. It's about what is it that people want and then they'll come. I think you're right. And where we got stuck is because we need to speak to other people and get other people's opinions before we can do anything else. And I, yeah. and I don't think we can, there's nothing more we can say because we've been trying to fit a kind of model onto something. We don't even know what the, the challenge is really. It's sort of our own ideas around regenerate, regenerating Lansing maybe, which is could be around bringing more nature in, could be around making business thrive or helping businesses to thrive it could be something else completely but until we've spoken to other people i think we need to speak to all sorts of people we need to speak to businesses we need to speak to residents we need to speak to the council do you think we should approach the business in the high street and we could get them to talk to us on the podcast about what they think sure that might be an interesting idea i mean i i'm i'm a little nervous about inviting someone who's a member of the public because that you know the public's a bit more broad but inviting someone who's a business would be would be one side of it there's a business association maybe we could get somebody from the lansing traders association oh incidentally I discovered that they had a a grant from the parish council to develop an app for Lansing High Street to encourage people to come there. The trade, the local traders. Okay. Which, but I've never seen it. So I'm going to sort of go and ask a few questions. So there is an app that's been developed. Or they got the grant to develop it, but it's still in development. But that was like a year or two ago. So that's cost a fortune to develop. I mean, that's got to be at least ten to fifteen thousand. I would have thought. Yeah, I think they got a grant of about fifteen hundred pounds. So I'm not quite sure what's going on. But it's interesting that they wanted to have an app. I'd like to understand what made them think an app would be useful, particularly because based on our experience of Lansing High Street and the demographics, it didn't look like a lot of the people that we saw on the high street necessarily would have their smartphones out busy looking at an app necessarily, but we could be wrong. I think we need to speak to people first before we speak to businesses, because I think the things that people will talk about will bring up a whole range of subjects and themes and then we could take that to businesses and see what they say. Personally, I'd rather speak to people first. That's okay with me, yeah. So Um, if we talk to people, so what did you think of my idea of trying to use a framework like hierarchy of needs or something like that to try and understand what level of interest they have or where it fits for them? For me, I thought if we had a structure, but the basic level, there's food and shelter and uh, water and, and then there's kind of like a safety side of it and then the next level up you start to get into artistic things and ultimately self-realization and if we picked corner shop or a pizza place or a cafe or an art gallery or a yoga center because there's all these different things and asked people either somehow we got an impression of what they thought would be what they wanted from a selection of people or a group or a few groups we could start to figure out where it fits into their into their needs if you see what i mean I mean, uh, do they really need the high street to go shopping or do most of them go and buy their groceries at Tesco or somewhere and they're coming to the high street to socialize or are they coming to the high street because they want to exercise using the yoga studio or, or they want to go and look at art or they want to come and sing together in their choir or do you know what I mean? I was trying to think about how you could I mean, make it come together. I think 
I think a framework is a really good idea and, a, and some kind of a model. I don't know if that's the right framework. I mean, I would I propose okay. the, the ecological cell, which is basically looking at everything in terms of concentric circles and that you start with yourself, your family, your community. I mean, you could decide what the each level was i'm wondering though about just as you say this about the donut economics because they do donut communities or i don't know what it's called exactly but don't they where they kind of take this kind of model into communities and and ask them to, to think about it and i don't know what that model is i can check that out i know what you're talking about and there was another model that i was maybe it's the same one i can't remember what it was but it was some some kind of lab it might have been the donut model, but I think there was another one, which is more community-based. I think there must be existing models that work that are right for a kind of a community. Okay, we'll investigate that. I mean, it may be that we could design it in such a way that it could be, if we're gathering information, that maybe there's a couple of different frameworks that we can think about, and we can ask different questions that, that lead to different, that's related to different models. Yeah, okay. I can investigate the donuts because I'm part of the, I've, I'm a member of the Donut Economics Lab, and they've got loads of tools there and i know they're doing community stuff in amsterdam so there may be something and i have seen some stuff about the donut community as opposed to the macroeconomics they're trying to move into a more micro place and even the uh, the donut family for example might be ultimately something you could think about so oh and see where they've got to and we could look at donuts we can look at the ecological self and then i and then i think i think that the practical way we do it would be an interesting thing to to understand the reason i was attracted to the hierarchy was because i saw words in the hierarchy that linked to the kind of things i see on the high street you know like food and arts and all that so that was kind of where there was a bit of a linkage going on between the practicality of how i could talk to people about it without explaining that we're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I didn't think that was going to be very helpful. What I'm interested in is thinking whatever we use, we can make it work for people. So it's just, it's interesting to them, but it's not being done to them. Do you know what I mean? I, I yeah. get really nervous about doing things to people. Yeah, um, yeah. It needs to be is, very participatory. Yeah. A lot of those kind of ideas that we talk about in academic worlds takes a bit of translation into a real world for people who aren't interested in all the academic side of it or might even be a frightened or be feel they're being manipulated. You know, classic being, well, you know, we have to make behavior change. <laughs> it almost sounds like you're doing the wrong thing to start with when that maybe isn't what we're talking about at all, but it just feels yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I guess what we're talking about is co-creating something. Yeah, that's it. With yeah. the people that are involved with I'm wondering if there's even a step before that to see whether there are people who are interested in it. You know, yeah, do, the, you, do you want to be part of co-creating something for Lansing? The, the partner of one of the people that's a member of the Community Land Trusts is getting interested in trying to create some sort of collaboration to do things in the local Lansing community. So I could have a word with him. If we do something on the high streets, as we've been talking about, putting some chairs out and doing like a, a pop-up town hall yeah. thing, which could be really fun, but then... I'm thinking that maybe only the people that walk past will be participating. And then what about youth groups? What about other people that aren't on the high street that day or didn't see the promotion for it? Plus, we have no kind of authorities. If people get involved in something, where is it going to lead? Yeah, but I mean, it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit like Extinction Rebellion. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, we're sort of trying to do the same thing as Extinction Rebellion, where where Extinction Rebellion, as I understand it, says we have to change things, but we're not telling you what to change. We're just telling you you have to change and we're getting people together to raise that yeah. so that you can figure out the problem, mate. Yeah. And so, so without being quite so aggressive and gluing ourselves to doors and God knows what or, or having a pink boat parked in the middle of Lansing. That's a good idea. Yeah. We're talking about grassroots democracy. Yeah. Trust yeah. the people. Yeah, why not? Who knows? I mean, the, the other thing about this is that I don't think you or I are particularly what's where I'm looking for precious about this. You know, we got some people to come and have a chat and then they went off and wanted to do something. Well, we're not fussed. I mean, that'd be wonderful because that would be exciting that something happened and whether or not we're in the middle of it or we're getting the credit for it or whatever is really irrelevant to me. I'm interested in the experiment of how you get those sort of things to happen. Exactly. I suppose what I'm thinking is, we need to get together and work out a plan and then do it. And I, and I think the challenge is we're both busy. Mm. You know, when are we going to do it and how are we going to find the time to do this? I mean, it's a, it's a project, definitely a project. I mean, maybe it's something that we plan for September or something that we really think about it because, it, you know, it needs some thought. Yeah, I think that we ought to think about when it would fit in with our schedules. But September is a bit too far off if we're thinking about doing something outside. Yeah, we probably want to try and do it before the end of August, just because that's our best chance of getting a sunny, warm day when you're more likely to have things happening. What's happening in Lansing High Street at the moment? Is it busy? Is it getting busier? It, my my take on it at the moment is that that we've had two convenience stores arrive in the last couple of months. So there was the co-op and there was Asda, and then there's that con- there's a sort of a news agency place that's got the post office in it and then there was a convenience store up near the co-op and then the bedding shop left interesting why the bedding shop disappeared the bedding shop's gone and a, and a convenience store has opened up there where they're focused on well they, they they talk about being knowing a lot about drinks so that i think they're focused on maybe on that a bit and then more recently, just a couple of doors down from the um, convenience store that's up by the co-op in that same parade of shops, there's another convenience store has opened up. Convenience in Lansing. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I was going to go and talk to one of them and, and, and ask them what made them decide that they, it yeah. was worth opening a convenience store in Lansing High Street. Great question. I mean, you've got two big supermarkets and then yeah. three new convenience stores. That just that doesn't sound like it's going to work. I mean, is there enough business for that? I don't know. Maybe the rent's cheap because, or I don't know what it is, but I thought it was a really interesting phenomenon. So I was going to go and investigate that. So there's some stuff going on on the high street. It's not like there isn't interest, but it's not quite clear what it is that's driving the people that are making the investments. Presumably the shops have have opened, reopened, and cafes have opened. And so more people probably come into the high street because more is available. And interesting, isn't it, how people decide... Like you said, to open a convenience store or anything, do people think, oh, I really want to do this thing? And then they just find somewhere to do it. Or do well, they really look at the locale and the, the footfall? And well, I don't know. I mean, you, you told me you went to open the shop down the side street. Yeah, exactly. You learn very quickly. If it doesn't work, if it's in the wrong place, yeah, you have to pivot. So, But I, I don't know if maybe people are banking on Lansing High Street taking off or something. I mean, maybe they, you know, there's that big development at Monk's Farm. They're going to put 600 houses there over the next seven years. Maybe there's people who are thinking, hmm, this is going to become the closest convenience location and maybe I'll get customers that way. And so they're starting to invest now. I don't know. But I thought I'd go in and see if I could talk to a couple of them about what made them decide to, to start there just out of interest. 
that would be really interesting. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit, I'm going to say boring to just kind of put things there that are the same as they were. You know, it would be really exciting to have something, I don't know, like a meditation space or a small business startup center or something, you know, or a nature, something to do with nature on the high streets, a rewilding shop. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. You know, selling bird boxes and, you know, green walls and bee highways, if that's ah. what people want, or a community, community spaces, you know. That's... Uh, the closest we get to community spaces are uh, charity shops, basically. Those are the kind yeah. of community spaces at the moment. Yeah. The interesting thing is, would charity shops be interested in generating more interest in their shop by creating more than just a place where you take the stuff you don't want to sell to somebody else and actually turn it into that idea like you know it's the it's the uh, salvation army shop but it's also the real wilding shop so there's a rewilding corner where you know that they share the space with the with the local allotment group or something who sell their vegetables there i don't know i mean it or give them yeah, away well, great you know and then you can buy a cup of tea or coffee in there as well so it becomes a place i mean maybe people don't want people hanging out in shops anymore because of the risk of spreading covid if people stick around for too long mm. well, and, there, and there could be other things like you know regulatory controls about what kind of planning you have to have to have a cafe versus a, a retail shop for example and stuff which might make it more difficult to just suddenly do something different yeah yeah, but it's worth an investigation. I I really think you're right. You know, we need to sit down and make a plan because this is turning into a bit more of a project than I think we originally thought it was going to be. And if we're going to do it right, we need to do it properly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think we need to get together again. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to send us feedback, have comments or questions, email us at making a happen at gmail.com or on Twitter at Making A Happen. And don't forget to join us next time at Making A Happen. <laughs>